This is the official Caps Chirp Podcast, proudly a part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Every team, everywhere. What's going on, Caps fans? It's me, the Hockey Troll, and I am here with that snack, Polly Cupcakes, back live in the studio. How you doing, Polly? I'm good. Uh, coming off a nice, exciting family weekend. Spent some time with my nephews, drank a lot of beer when, uh, once they were gone, I passed <laughs> out watching the Saturday night hockey game. Nice. Nice. Very good. Uh, I guess life doesn't get much better than that in, in today's lifestyle, right? Right. Um, Cap- Caps, we've got, we got a great interview for you. We actually know somebody who played for Peter Laviolette here with the Wheeling Nailers. Uh, in Lavi's first year as a coach, and coincidentally, it was this player's first year as an ECHL pro. It is fan favorite Stefan Brunner coming in, Wheeling Nailers legend, seven or eight year stint with the with the Nailers. Yeah, definitely a hometown hero uh, in that sense for uh, for us, or well for for Nailers fans for sure. Uh, legend, we've had him on before. One of our most listened to episodes, so we hope you guys like it. Also, we'll be talking about league news, as always. And uh, I just want everyone to know, uh, my golf game's coming along. Uh, Shot a a personal record, 105 on 18. I think think it's just a couple weeks till I'm getting the knock for the uh, PGA Tour. Yeah? (laughs) No. Yeah, we'll see about that. Well, Polly, you need to fucking come golf with me and be a real friend. I don't know why you don't. Well, because I'm a bad friend. Basically, that I didn't want to say it for everybody, but you know, the only reason that you're you hang out with me is so that you can get free clout on the on the podcast, right? Yeah, dude. It's I've been scheming this for like seven years. <laughs> I'm like, I knew someday I'll get a benefit out of this friendship. <laughs> And it's taken almost a decade. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of which, throw me a beer, man. Because right. we should probably pop some tabs, huh? Yeah, buddy. Slauncha. Sl- salute. One, two, three. All right, Caps fans. So, not much Not much uh, happened this week other than the Stanley Cup Finals, which we will talk about in depth here. But... I think that well, let's just start off with the bad news, and that's JC himself, and JC we trust, John Carlson, absolutely robbed of the Norris and Yossi, Roman Yossi. That is, I was almost every time I say Yossi, I almost always say Yossi Jokinen for some reason. He's not even like nearly the impactful player that any of the two players that we're discussing right now are. Yeah, but the name just it flows. Yeah, Yossi Jokinen. Mm-hmm. But, you know, JC did not get the Norris Trophy. I figured with the dumbass convoluted way that they judge the Norris Trophy, which is hockey writer based, um, that 
JC would be John Carlson would be the the shoe in man. I mean, he led in points by a large margin on I mean ten plus points over uh, Jokinen this or <laughs> Roman Yossi yeah, Roman Yossi this year. Uh, I I look. Yossi definitely deserved to, to win the Norris like the past three years, mm-hmm. I would say, but did not. And that being the logic that I thought everybody was following, you know, I thought Carlson would have been able to to really uh, put like win one here. And the, the problem is that it was he, he was second. He came in second for first place votes, but it wasn't even close, dude. Did you see the voting? No, I I didn't look at the breakdown. It was like hundred less for Carlson. Well, I think I had mentioned this last time or the time before. It, he got it because it was his time. You Yossi? know, yeah they they instead of voting on the best guy that season, they go with who's put in their time. Right, and I think if Carlson is a nominee next year, he still might not get it. But if he's there a third year, he will. And I think that is a terrible way right. for them to do this, but it seems to be a consistent pattern. Yeah, it's like you got to pay your dues and get nominated like three years in a row and be like at least in the conversation of top one or two for three years in a row and then you can get one. Right. Well, sorry, Carly, but Yossi's getting it this year. He definitely deserves it. Yeah. Uh, for at least once in the past five years, but he hasn't gotten it. So, I mean, I guess no sense in crying over spilt milk, but fuck, man. The Caps have to earn literally everything, right? They got to earn it every step of the way. There's no no favoritism there, that's for sure. Yeah, and maybe if Carlson had been hot at the end of the season instead of the beginning, that might have changed things a little bit. Right. But he kind of cooled down after a hot start. Right. Definitely, you know, they have the recency bias. Yeah, and I would say that um, I I haven't seen Yossi do the things that John Carlson did this year offensively, that's for sure. I mean, that, that goal he had against the Kings, that'll stick out to me for, for a long time. Just like dangling quick out of his fucking jock and then just right behind him and just tucking it in. I mean, that's a handsy play, man. That's a skilled play. Yeah. Insane. Uh, and that's really, I feel like that's the, that's, that was just like the, if, if John Carlson's year was summed up in one play, that was it. Yeah. It was, it was special stuff. He's a special guy. Um, I, I hope he gets it next year because he deserved it after this season. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, something you'll be happy about, which I also think is another snub. Kale McCarr for Calder. It's rookie of the year. Yeah, I know a lot of people are big on Quinn Hughes, and Quinn Hughes is amazing. Um, my argument to that is McCarr played less games. I think his games-to-points ratio was better. I think McCarr had more goals. Actually, he did have more goals. He did have more goals. Um, and I am not downplaying the importance of assists, and I know Quinn Hughes is a great playmaker, but you assists are easier. You can get up to two guys for each goal, but only one guy can score the goal. So I think that Kale proved more outstanding play. Um, 
or just more direct impact, I would have to say. But if Quinn had gotten it, I wouldn't have been too upset because they were amazed. They both were this. If there was ever a year they could give out, you know, Co. Calder, yeah. this would have been a good one. Yeah, I mean, both of these guys have an incredibly bright future ahead of them. I, I, I don't like though that people are giving the the injury that Kale McCarr had as like a kind of like a crutch for him to lean on in in that sense, right? So like, yeah, his points per game were higher or whatever the fuck that means, but at the same time, you know. I think he should be punished for not being as durable as Quinn Hughes, who is a smaller player. Uh, also, I think that the Colorado squad was better than the Vancouver squad. So, Quinn yeah. Hughes' impact, you know, was maybe not... They maybe didn't win more games than Kale McCars did, but that's because the team around him is a lot worse, I would say. Well, and the Avalanche were... I mean, very obviously better, but they also were probably the biggest ambulance team in the league. You know, they sure. were hurt the whole year, and they were they looked like the Penguins when they win cups with the way they get hurt. Um, but that you know, I I think that kind of evens it out because the Avs may have had a stronger roster, but very often they were missing key guys. And I uh, hope you don't mind. I'm going to transition that to the Hart Trophy. Okay. Because I think looking at the Avalanche roster, points-wise, the next guy behind McKinnon, there was a much larger gap in points between McKinnon and number two, who I don't have the numbers in front of me. It may have been McCarr. It was a much bigger gap than Dreisaitl to McDavid, which was like, 10 points or something, you know, like right. McKinnon did what he did without a Connor McDavid. Yeah. But dry I mean, so wait, refresh my memory. And by the way, dry won the heart, which I think is fair because McDavid was injured for a while. He was. And dry put the team on his back. I did say McKinnon, once he got, was it the, was it King Clancy? No. What's the gentleman? Lady Bing. Once he got Lady Bing, that was his. That was it. His consolation. Right. But dude, I mean, come on. Dreisaitl outscored him. He and, did, but he And had, kept, the, kept the Oilers relevant during that time that McDavid was gone. I'm not saying Dreisaitl didn't deserve it. I just think McKinnon fought through a little more diversity not diversity, adversity. adversity. <laughs> um, he just, you know, he was missing Landeskog for a lot of time. He was missing Rantanen for a lot of time. Fair. Yeah. yeah. I and, guess. But I don't think you could argue with the bulk points and how Dreisaitl truly did. I mean, he carried, yeah. like, I get that. But, you know, during that time, McKinnon had a supporting cast to help him. Yeah, his a couple heavy hitters were... Uh, you know, injured, but at the same time, Dreisaitl, I felt, really put the fucking team on his back. True, and I guess to kind of shoot myself down here, I find it hard to be upset about the Hart winner if they also won the Ted Lindsay. Because if the players think you're the MVP, right. then you deserve it. 
So, you know. And did if, they announce the Lindsay? Oh, uh, Drysdale got it. He got a, you know, he got the trifecta. He got the points MVP and then player voted MVP. Oh wow. Okay. So yeah. I fair enough. And when you lead the league in points, I guess it's hard to say you're not the MVP. Exactly. Right. But I mean, it comes down to: Are you the most valuable player, or are you the most valuable to your team? Sure. So that gets into an interesting conversation. I'm a homer, so I thought it should have been McKinnon, but Drysaddle deserves it. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, Hellebuck, Vesna. I'd say that's fair. Yeah. Um, Honestly, I didn't pay much attention to the Vesna this year, but I think the only reason Winnipeg has been relevant for three or four years is because of him. Yeah, absolutely. And he put up insane numbers, and again, that's a team that was carried by their goaltending a lot. And, and, And... Long stretches of the season. So, those are your award winners, folks. Um, Johnny for Norris next year. Johnny for Norris. Hashtag Johnny for Norris. Um, for heart. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's go over some trades. Uh, a good one that I loved. Love to see it. Mike Matheson and Colton... How do you even say that? Skoivor? <laughs> Savor? Yeah, that's probably closer. Yeah. From the from the Panthers to the Pittsburgh Penguins for Patrick Hornquist. And if you've ever listened to this podcast where I've talked about Patrick Hornquist, it has been less than shining reviews. I hate that motherfucker. Mm-hmm. He is just a dirt bag in front of the net. And okay, and, and I've talked to the tip of the iceberg boys about this, and they're like, if he was on your team, you'd love him. Probably. I probably would. But it, that that's not that's neither here nor there. They would also love Tom Wilson. Exactly. Right. Right. So, I mean, God, imagine imagine playing against that guy. Anyways, um, I I'm happy about this. And if you've seen if you've been following any social media, Patrick Hornquist threw his gear out on the driveway <laughs> to quote unquote um, dry it out. But I didn't know they got to take their shit home like that. Yeah, it's theirs. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> Anyways, um, what do you think? They just put it, they're like, nope, nope, you, we can't afford to let you take that home. It's well, I like, mean, what do you I, think? It's like high school football? Well, like where the you jerseys like, and stuff. I don't know. I mean, like, I understand the equipment itself, but I thought maybe the team held onto the jerseys so that they could walk. It was, I don't know. It's but, not, our, it's not our college hockey days, Polly, where we had to like scrounge for every penny and we're lucky enough to get a donation to get j- nice sweaters. I spent a lot of time in the laundromat. Yeah. <laughs> you washed them so much. You probably should have washed them less. I washed them for every game. That's all you need. Like, Yeah, every normal. time we wore them, you washed them immediately after, I guess. yeah. That's like normal hygiene. Not for me. Well, hmm. <laughs> that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> I don't, dude. If I have a great game, I don't want to wash my gear after that. You're washing away all the good, like mojo that you've sweated into that gear. I guess, but folks, t- hockey players out there, beer league or wherever the fuck you are, j- support me on this. When you're the I, dude, I'm fucking who, right. I'm fucking right. When you're the guy who has to carry around a tote of smelly ass jerseys, you would <laughs> probably do different stuff. I remember you would yell at us if a jersey was on the floor. Yeah. You respect the sweater. I I did. I never threw it on the fucking floor. I agreed, but you were very you were very uh, Karen ish in that 
in that regard. <laughs> if I didn't bring structure, nobody would have. Okay. That's true. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Um, so anyways, I love this trade. Fuck Patrick Hornquist. Yeah. Uh, he's going to go be irrelevant in Florida and I'm going to love it. Um, I'm happy not to see his ugly mug. I know. And God, the worst thing about him was he'd never fight anyone. He would just cheap shot you mm-hmm. and, and bully you around. And then he, he'd be like, okay, let's fucking fight. And he would never do it. Yeah. Um, but <clears throat> you know, the, the trade he is, I've, I've seen, um, friend of the podcast, Jay Fresh's, AKA Jay Fresh, the Penguins fan, um, on Twitter, his, his visuals or his visual aid data stuff for, uh, Patrick Hornquist. And he's like a projected war, um, a positive projected war. Whereas Matheson is not now Matheson, they did get younger and they saved marginal cap space with this trade. The Penguins did. And Florida is just like, who gives a fuck? Please just come. Someone relevant, please come play for us. <laughs> it seems like the Florida Panthers are like the new retirement home. Other than the, well, but the it's like the shitty, it's the JV retirement home. You know, all the good players used to go to Detroit to try to win their cup. Yeah. And the Joe, Joe Lewis retirement center. But now it's the Florida Panthers and they're just like, if you have a name, we'll take you. So. Tough, tough cookies for the Panthers, but I think they got better on this. <laughs> on this, I think they got the 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 good end of the deal here. Love to see the Penguins in a um, in a knee jerk reaction, jettison talent. You you love to see that. You love, love to you love to see management in a in a fucking you know getting their panties in a twist and just saying all our good players need to go for no apparent reason. Love to see panic. Right, right. Um, moving on, though. Mark Stahl uh, and a second-round pick two in 2021 to Detroit for future considerations. So Another Stahl. Right. Um, you know, Detroit here, it seems, man, they're just so deep in a rebuild. Mm-hmm. They um, Gone are the days where they had just such great stocks of young talent. Maybe they need to revamp their scouting department, too. I don't know if they have or not, but, man, uh, they're ready to just suck for another few years and then make a, make a run for it there. Uh, Stevie Y behind the bench, or is GM there, so we'll see what he's got cooking, but this is definitely a, they need the pick, and... Yeah, it's Stevie Y, he said, this is a win because we're trying to build up picks. Absolutely, right. And, you know... Uh, the second round could provide fruitful in this in this draft. Who knows? Yeah. So good for them. Mark Stahl going to Detroit. I don't know how he feels about it. Probably a little bit better than um than Jordan or Eric going to Buffalo. Right. <laughs> he did not seem happy. Not at all. Uh, and who could blame him? But lastly, oh no, it looks like uh yeah. As far as trades, Ottawa. Well, it's not really a trade, but Ottawa has bought out Bobby Ryan for the final two seasons of his contract. Bobby Ryan's 33 year olds, 33 years old, but still a relevant player in this league. Yeah. Um, you know, he's he's had that we had, we've covered it in depth. We've he's had that uh substance abuse problem. You know, seems to be healthy, came back first game back, scores a hattie and and you know, this is a guy who had first rounder had tons of he was a first rounder, right? Bobby Ryan. Yeah, I mean, he's got a cup, silver yeah. medal. Right. 
he's been um one of those guys that had a lot of promise, but you know now we see kind of why he's possibly under under delivered in some aspects. So I think that this is a good. Va- but so here's the thing: he gets bought out for half his contract. He's going to be a bargain bin player for yeah. a team who's trying to get over the hump or just needs another piece. Yeah, yeah. he's not going to be um, a speedster or a young guy with a lot of with a lot of jam uh, in the sense of like speed and, and try hard. But he is going to be that that grinding guy who is a physical presence and has scoring touch. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. He can, he can be a nice cheap free agent, right? Because he's not going to be too worried about money. He just got bought out. Exactly. So he's and I mean this is like a classic Brooks Orpic move. Yeah. You know Brooks Orpic got got traded, then bought out, then resigned with the Caps. Mm-hmm. It and it was a it was a great uh, savvy cap move by the by the Caps. So who knows what exactly is going to happen with Ottawa here? Um, or I mean with Bobby Ryan, but he's gone from Ottawa, and from what I've heard that. You know, the Senators' fan base has wanted him out forever. Uh, so, who knows? I mean, pay this guy one or two million, and he could he could be a 20-goal scorer for you. Right. Honestly, on the third line. So, it's it'll be interesting to see where he lands. I think the Capitals should at least look at him. At least give him a look. I mean, yeah. we're already old as fuck. Uh, you know, whether it's like a just a one- or two-year deal, a one-year deal, just, you know, have him as an addition – we you God knows we we need a little bit of a little a little something to mix up our 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 tops our our forward core in general right right I mean it looks like Veron has gone dry uh, Kuznetsov's kind of having an off season there's nothing to say that those two players can't bounce back but in the year that maybe it takes for them to do that like next year he might be a good addition I don't know a lot of it probably rides on the Ovechkin contract and whatever happens to Holpe. So, time will tell. Yeah, look out for him. It's going to be interesting to see where he lands. Finally, Jeff Petrie signed a four-year extension with Montreal, average annual value of six point two five. I I don't hate that. I, I I really don't. For a defenseman who's solid and contributes on the offensive end, yeah. I mean Jeff Petrie has never been a Norris Trophy candidate. I don't think he's ever been a top ten defenseman top 20 defenseman but he's definitely been in like i would say that top third maybe even top 25 percent in the league yeah you know i mean he's a good fantasy player to pick up late in draft rounds i'll tell you that he hits and he blocks shots and he scores and he's logging 24 minutes a game right you know if you can count on count on a guy for almost half the game Right. You know, that's, that's worth holding on to. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm sure he plays special teams. He's right. got to kill penalties. So, good stuff there. Moving on. Stanley Cup Finals, man. What a roller coaster it has been. Um, especially recently, but... <laughs> okay. So, on September 21st, which was last Monday when the last pod aired, we had Tampa Bay, uh, you know, ekes out a win. 3-2 to two in regulation. We figured that was a good answer for Dallas coming out hot, right, and just laying the smack down. Right. Um, then the next or the next game, September twenty third, Tampa Bay comes out and basically dominates five to two, kind of embarrasses the, the Stars. 
So at this at this point, it's a two one game, a two one series, and then game four happens. The twenty fifth, Tampa Bay wins five four in overtime. Now this was an exciting fucking game, dude. I mean, it was it was goal was scored, goal was answered, right? I mean, it was back and forth, edge of your seat, lots of offense, a lot of great uh, uh, speed and physicality between these two teams, right? And then we see Corey Perry channeling his inner Sidney Crosby and hitting Braden Point, who's had an outstanding playoff, between the legs from behind in full stride. And this was not just like a nut tap. This was like a he had two hands on, was like wrenching into his groin, falls over, gets in it, and the refs called an embellishment on that. Brutal. Um, um, so both players went to the box. I get pretty upset with that. Uh, he wasn't embellished. He didn't embellish. He was hitting the nuts, man. Yeah, hard from like, behind. And my my thoughts on Corey Perry here. Uh, it's pretty normal for hockey players to sneak in slashes and shit behind the play. If you're gonna do that, give him one to the back of the leg. Right. Stay away from the nuts. Right. I mean, you know, Sidney Crosby is famous for that. He loves to hit guys in the nuts. I think he does it at least like once every few games, whether you see it or not. He's just that type of scumbag, right? Um, I've seen him, and he. One thing I will say about Sidney Crosby, though, is while primarily he does it from behind, I mean, the biggest, uh, most recent kind of publicized one was when he did it to Ryan O'Reilly when Ryan O'Reilly was still in Buffalo. A um, little bit of chirp between the two players. Ryan O'Reilly's in his own slot. And City Crabs just comes down out of nowhere and just, boom, hard tap to the nuts from behind. No call, of course. Uh, of course, he gets away with it. You know, I mean, if this, if Sid, if Corey Perry was Sidney Crosby, um, he wouldn't have gotten a penalty and Braden Point would have been ejected. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Jesus. And given a five, five minute major. Yeah. So. Suspended. I, I guess it could be worse, but at the same time, it's a real scumbag move. Um, and, you know, Corey Perry's kind of a scumbag. Uh, what I will say, though, is that it, they took them both. It should have been a power play for Tampa. But then, right before overtime, it was right before overtime, right? That the penalty happened? Or was it during overtime? for With the Jamie Benn phantom slew foot? Uh, I don't remember if it was overtime or not. I mean, it went into overtime. Right, and they scored on that power play. Yeah. Right, so uh, this game five, or four, the, um, the Jamie Benz kind of just playing hard on Johnson, going after a puck in the middle of the ice in the Tampa Bay zone, and they get tangled up and kind of get off, off balance and... Jamie Ben just puts him to the ground. I mean, this is incidental contact. He didn't slew foot him, but Johnson's leg, his right leg goes up in the air because he's off balance, and Ben just kind of gives him the extra effort to get him fully onto the ice. And they uh, they call a slew footing penalty on him. The Tampa Bay Lightning then go down and score to win the game. And, you know, yes, you can you can say all day to me that Fuck, you know, they had a lot of opportunities to, to finish it out. Dallas did or Tampa Bay did either way with these blown calls. But it's just a bad look when the 
the penalty that ends the game, the goal that ends the game is scored on a power play that was given because of a phantom call. Yeah. The optics on that are terrible for the league. And, uh, you know, me in our interview with Steph, he talks about it. He's like, I don't really get wrapped up in that. And I, I completely agree that, yeah, I mean, if you were a good team, you're going to find a way to win, right? Winners right. find a way. That's the, that's the cliche, uh, bullshit about it. But that being said, I, uh, I, I, I can't help but think that's not good officiating. Yeah, that, that, that's a bad call. Um, they had a couple bad calls, the, the nut play yeah. and the slew foot. Uh, Steph made a good point about how the better team, it, it evens out throughout the series. And just to add on to that point, um, you know, it's not like it's the Super Bowl where it's one game and it can come down to one play. So yes, maybe it cost them that game. Right. But it did not cost them the series. So and you cannot blame losing the Stanley Cup on that call because right. you still had six other games to make it happen. Right. You can't blame that on, uh, you know, I, I get what you're saying, and I agree. You can't blame the series on that like you can when the refs called off that goal on Nashville when, when Pittsburgh – or when Murray had it, or supposedly had it, and it was clearly loose, and the rest was just out of position, and uh, who is it? James Neal taps it in, and they called that back. Uh, or when Sidney Crosby threw a fucking bottle on the ice during that same series, and no call there. You know, you just got to be the Penguins to to have those calls go your way consistently, right? I guess so. <laughs> uh, but I agree, and that brings us up to. Yesterday, um, Saturday, September 26th, Dallas wins 3-2 to two in double overtime. Scumbag Perry, two goals, including the overtime game winner. It's Those old hard. guys are paying dividends yeah. on that Dallas team, huh? Yeah, I mean, picking up old free agents like Perry and Pavelski has kept Dallas in the Stanley Cup because they had all three goals. Uh, those guys are hungry. You know, Perry hasn't had one since 07. He wants another. Pavelski's never had one. Right. You know, they're fighting for it. Uh, I don't think they're the better team. Well, okay. I mean, I know I picked them when I pulled my scumbag move and changed teams. <laughs> I'm not going to pick anything here. Um, but Tampa has been winning. But Dallas is definitely uh, putting in the effort here to, to make it interesting. And they have to be happy with their GM's moves this offseason picking those guys up. Absolutely. And now the series is a 3-2 to two Tampa Bay lead. I would love to see a Game 7 here, man. I'm going to be honest. Yeah. I mean, you win Game 6 and then who knows? nothing else matters. Right. It's who just the fuck knows? It's down to one game. Stanley Cup comes down to one game. Yeah. And that's that's really what, what all the fans want to see. At least the ones that aren't Tampa Bay or Dallas fans, right? Yeah. Um, I had thought I had Tampa in seven and I, I still hold true to that, but I wouldn't mind to see Dallas win it here. Yeah. It just, I wish that Dallas winning doesn't mean Jamie Ben is the one getting the cup. <laughs> I wish like he's the one getting it first. Yeah. I wish that's what I mean. Like I wish, <laughs> I wish Pavelski could go for the, the cup presentation. 
I think he gets it first if the Dallas Stars win. You think after... he'll get it before the A's? Oh, yeah. Wouldn't you? Yeah. I mean, Sagan already has one. So Perry already has one. Yeah. The they... young kids, fuck them. You know, Klingberg, Heiskanen. Yeah. Um, that Goryanov guy. You know, I all those other players, I don't... I think... I think Pavelski. I think that's almost a Ray Bork esque. Yeah, thing. yeah. It's 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 in the same ballpark. You know? It's in the same ice rink. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay. Tampa wins. Who does Stamkos hang it off to? Fuck. Hand it off, not hang right. it off. Oh, and speaking of Stamkos, what he comes back in Game Four, he for... fucking rifled a goal. Game <laughs> Three, yeah. Yeah, Game so, Three in like one shift. Yeah, he played a to- he played less than three minutes. It was two. 247. Yeah. Five shifts. He had a sweet goal. So, you know, if I'm I'm th- I'm him, I'm thinking if we win the cup, at least I'd contributed it. Right. Uh, but he's done. Game 3 was the only game he'll play. Right. So, he wins the cup. Who's he handed off to? I'm thinking McDonough. Wow. I didn't even think about that, but I think you're right. Yeah, I mean, he's he's a veteran. Hedman's from, Hedman had one his rookie year, I'm pretty sure, with Tampa Bay. Hedman's that old? Like yeah. The 04 Cup? I want to say so. When he was like 18. I think. Oh, I huh. thought maybe not. Maybe not. But, you know. Huh. I I don't uh I mean I mean, because most of the most of this core has been to the cup they lost. Right. Uh McDonough, he lost in the cup to the right. Kings. Right, right. And I'm looking it up right now. Uh, maybe he hasn't. Maybe he hasn't. I thought... Well, go back, because his IMDB... Or IMDB. <laughs> his hockey DB. Where is it? Or no, scroll, just scroll down. The the stats. NHL stats. Go down. NHL.com. There you go. It'll right. show his years. So, let's see. Oh, no. No, yeah, no, he doesn't have a card. Right, yeah, okay, my bad. But I, th- I think McDonough. Man, he but Hedman's been in the league for ten years. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, McDonough. He has an A though. Right. So I think that makes it even easier to be. You know, it's not like they'd be passing up the A's to get it to him. Right. I think you're right. I think that's a. I think that's a solid pick. McDonough gets it. Um. <laughs> I don't know. I mean. You got to think that these Dallas players, the veterans, this is the last shot they're ever going to have. Yeah, at a cup. Right? Absolutely. I, mean, I think that's realistic. And then something else. Do you think Stamkos retires? If I would they win a cup. I would. Yeah, because <laughs> like, the dude's Jesus. made a glass. Yeah, anymore. I mean, uh, how many ACLs has he torn? Like broke his fucking. Do you remember when he broke his leg yeah. on the fucking goalpost? How does that happen? I mean. And you clearly he hit it in the middle of his shin, right where your padding is most prevalent yeah. on a shin pad, and just snaps his fucking like he must have shattered the the shin pad into a million pieces doing that. Yeah, uh, if I'm Stammer, I'm done after this. You think he retires? You think he just goes fuck it? He doesn't even try out for next year with a ring. Yeah, yeah, might as well <sighs> walk off into the sunset. Well, you still can walk on top. Yeah, while well, you still can walk on top. I agree, man. I mean, it's interesting because you wouldn't think, man, because it's always been 
you know, Stamkos is going to be the next Ovechkin, and Stamkos is going to be better than Ovechkin. Mm-hmm. But he just couldn't stay healthy. Right. I can't remember a season where he's played all 82 games. Me neither. So, yeah. You look at that guy and you think, fuck, he wins a cup, maybe he's gone. Crazy. Time to start coaching. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's it's insane to me to think that, like, Stamkos, you know, is at retirement age. But he kind of is, right? He's close to 30, if not over it, right? Oh, yeah. He's definitely in his 30s. Yeah. Well, I'm enjoying the series. It's a good back and forth series. A great Stanley Cup final. I'm hoping. Uh, I'm hoping to see a game seven. There's nothing else on Wednesdays to watch, right? Hopefully, exactly. it makes it. Exactly. Well, Caps fans, I got to tell you about a sponsor of ours, Manscaped.com. The lawnmower 3.0. Out now, designed for growing grooming. Manscaped.com. Use code THPN, get 20% off and free shipping. That's Manscaped.com. Use code THPN, 20% off plus free shipping. I was golfing the uh, yesterday and my buddy said that you should shave every place that you would like a mouth to go. And that's where this groin groomer or whatever else you want to groom... Maybe it's your toes. <laughs> Get rid of that hair. Comes in handy. And I don't know if... I think I think Polly's outing himself with that. But <laughs> uh, <clears throat> Polly, I do see that your, your toes are shaved. Did you use your Manscaped groomer? <laughs> um, <laughs> again, Manscaped 3.0... Or the Lawnmower 3.0 from Manscaped.com. Use code THPN. Get 20% off plus free shipping. Again, that is Manscaped.com. Use code 20% off plus free shipping. Also, our in-network affiliate that we're pumping up here is Tales with TR. That's Terry Ryan. He wrote a book called um, "It's Adventures of a First Round uh, What uh, Dropout or something." Fuck, I can't believe I'm I'm fucking this up. But Terry Ryan, his podcast, he's in uh, in Vancouver, I believe. No. I don't know. He's I'm from fucking... Newfoundland. Yeah, Newfoundland. Not. I'm sorry, not Vancouver. You know, he's he's Newfoundland. He he was, he on... was in Letterkenny. Yeah, Knowles, Teddy Knowles. <laughs> the accent sounds like it's like colonial. Yeah, it, uh, it's crazy. And uh... he played pro hockey, so you get to. And he's not team specific. You know, he's just right. talking about his experience and. Yeah, it's a, and he he has a lot of relationships he's developed with guys who played in the league. He has really great interviews. You should check him out. Tales with TR uh, with Terry Ryan, first rounder uh, for the Montreal Canadiens, and um, you know it, he admittedly says like he just didn't have it together, wasn't doing the right things, and you know I'm not sure he I'm not sure he regrets it. I think that he's kind of owned it and just hey, this is this is life now. It's got a decent career out of it. Absolutely, yeah. He's been on Chicklets. He's been, uh, he's been around, man. He's uh, uh, done some stuff with Biz Nasty and and knows those guys. You know, he was a fighter and a goal scorer. You know, he was a he was a point producer and a fighter when he played, and you know, had a lot of promise, but uh, just didn't work out for him. So check out his podcast. It's on HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. Tales with Tr. Now. 
what you've all been waiting for. I guess we should just get into the Washington wraparound, right? Yep. And I don't have the sound bite set up. So what we're going to do <laughs> is just go straight into uh, the Washington wraparound here. It's basically just our um, our uh, our interview with Stefan Brunner. I I always I always love talking to Steph, man. He he came on, talked a little bit about uh, his playing career as a wheeling nailer. Spent seven or eight years there. Um, really good guy, really knowledgeable about hockey, obviously, and uh, still stays involved with coaching kids today, uh, along with his day job. And uh, he was actually coached by Laviolette, and um, <clears throat> and uh, on Laviolette's first pro head coach job which if you didn't know was one year removed from his playing career did you know that Polly? not until this interview yeah so definitely a really cool um really cool uh little interview that we got for you and i guess we'll just kick you off to that enjoy it it's our interview with stefan brunner talking about lavulette Hockey and little Stanley Cup Finals action. Some maybe a little bit deeper stuff as far as just hockey theory goes. So enjoy it. fans it's me the hockey troll and i am here with that snack poly cupcakes and we have a very special guest with us today friend of the pod stefan Brunner, wheeling legend steph how are you man hey what's happening i'm good sounds like you guys are doing pretty good too <laughs> yeah yeah we're about a a couple beers in each at least right now but uh everything else as far as uh the podcast is going we're we we've we've become quite popular i guess <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a good Tuesday night for you, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, actually, um, you know, you're like one of our uh, most listened to episodes. Okay. <laughs> like, actually. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's funny because we actually, we had like Ole Kolzig on. We've had a couple other uh, names on too, but uh, the people love you, Steph. That's hard to believe, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, man, we um, we appreciate you coming on, and we wanted to talk to you because, coincidentally, uh, you have been coached by Peter Laviolette in his very first year as a head coach, which was also your first year as a pro um, in the ECHL, correct? Right, and, and uh, like I told you before, I don't have a whole lot of new information about him. I mean, I probably like 20 years ago since I even even talked to him I talked to him like uh I guess you know maybe five years after we uh we spent a year together but that that's been about it pretty pretty limited interactions yeah and, and he's been so, sort of busy yeah right I hear you <laughs> both of you definitely busy <laughs> after that um now what um what how, how did you you got onto the nailers in in wheeling here kind of like you knew a guy right and said you needed they needed a player 
And he uh, he screwed me big time too, because apparently I told Pete that I was a tough guy, and <laughs> I had no idea I was. So, you know, and 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 again, like it's so so long ago, and and the communicated best back then, and and uh, I think it took. Well, I know it, it took Pete until like the last month of the season before he figured out that I actually had a decent college career. And uh, <laughs> meanwhile, I've been on the third and fourth line like all year long. <laughs> so racking up penalty minutes. <laughs> nice. And um, yeah, I mean, for, for all but, the listeners that don't know, you were, you were a penalty minute uh, leader, all-time leader for the Wheeling Nailers. It's going to be a difficult record to, to, to break because if you get them in a mid zone more, they're going to send you out. And <laughs> nobody spends that much time in the league anymore either. So, right. right so, right. it's going to be really difficult. <laughs> so, tell us um, well, I mean, what did you think of, of Lavs as a coach? I mean, again, for his first year, your first year. I mean, obviously, you played hockey at a competitive level before, but tell us your initial thoughts. No, I've always said the same thing about Lavi. He was kind of a like a unique personality because he's one of those few people that that always seem to have like the right values and, and saying the right things and and it, it came automatic to him. He didn't have to think about it. So like you could tell that he came from like a good upbringing, good family, had good values and, and all that because everything just came so natural to him. And that's that's really unusual. Like. Guys like you and I, we have to think, you know, two minutes before we answer anything because <laughs> we have so much screwed up stuff going on in our heads. <laughs> so I came just down. Absolutely. I mean, that's that's definitely that's true. At least on my in my case, and that's good to hear that that Lavs is a is a good guy. I mean, did he have good command of the locker room? Because as as a Caps fan, you know, there's a lot of big names in that locker room, legends, really. I mean, future Hall of Famers. A lot of personalities, and the the stigma is that the caps are lazy, right? They're partiers. They they don't give it their all, which I don't really believe. But you know, that's kind of the out from the outside looking in. That could be a criticism. I mean, you think he'll be able to to wrangle that locker room? Yeah, it, it seems like uh, it, it's more that he's he's a demanding guy anymore. Like that old school discipline, it doesn't work, and I think. He's probably, I think in his first few years after like Wheeling, which, you know, that was kind of, you know, it's in the minors and that, like you, you can treat guys a little bit different from what you can up, you know, especially like with big personalities like Ovi. Sure. You, you can't treat all the guys the same. But he was always very confident too. And, and like, if we go on and like have fun, like he was one of the guys. But then as soon as, you know, we got down in the locker room, he was in charge. So he was never scared of that part of it some guys are they're less confident they they're scared to do anything fun with the boys sure because they think they're going to lose command of the locker room like i don't think he's ever been concerned about that because he's just kind of being himself he's he's a fun guy to to a certain extent i i think it's always been like that and then when it comes down to business it's all it's all business the next day and he's in charge And, and i think he lets everyone know that he's in charge but but obviously when you have bigger personalities you obviously have to let you know and by now Ovi's been in the league for what 15 years or whatever yeah um you can probably (laughs) i don't know if there's a whole lot of things you can say to him other than trying to get on the same page and and trying to get to the point where okay this is how much back checking i'm gonna do (laughs) i want 
you know, I want this much from you. How much can you give me? Right. <laughs> so, so, so it's like they kind of, I'm, I'm sure have to come to some sort of agreement there. What's, what's the happy medium <laughs> right? where we can all be happy. Cause if he's not happy, I'm sure the rest of the locker room is not happy either. And, and, uh, that may be mutual too, both coaches and, 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 the, and the strong personalities they have there. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, I feel like it's a good point that you bring up because I feel like Reardon was, I, I mean, I didn't really like him to begin with because we let Trotz go after he won us a cup <laughs> over, you know, a contract dispute, basically money. And then um, Reardon comes in who they'd always been grooming for the next head coach, the next big head coach position. And, I felt like, you know, he went from being kind of like that well-liked assistant coach and then now having to be the boss and tell you when you're fucking up, you know, it, it just didn't translate well. I mean, do you see that a lot with assistant coaches coming up uh, and, and getting that head coach role and, and kind of floundering in the same organization? Well, I, yeah, because it, it's it's difficult. It's really hard when you're coming in like that. and. and some special guys have no problems doing it, but for, for most it's kind of an issue because they're used to being the guy that you kind of tell everything to and, and hash things out with, and like you really trust, you may sure. not trust like the head coach the same way. There needs to be a mutual understanding there with the, with the players and the assistant coach that you can tell them anything, no matter what it is. Mm-hmm. And then when you become the head coach and it, it's different, for most, at least, you know, it's, it's starting to be, be a little bit different now because head coaches, the young guys coming up, um, they they seem to be more that they want to know everything about you and, and they want to try to help you out if you have, you know, I don't know, placing kids in the right schools and all that sure. that they've traditionally given to other other people. But it seems like the new style coaches want to kind of help you out with no matter what it is. They may not right. make the call personally for you, but they will say, hey, this guy can find you this or that or whatever it may be. Right, right. I, th- I think it's a whole lot more that they're managing their lives a lot more than they used to. Right. And that's probably a good thing, honestly, because. You know- yeah. And I think from everything I heard about Reardon was he's a super guy yeah. and smart and knows, you know, all the X's and O's and, and really cares for everyone. And. You know, I, I think he's probably going to get a shot somewhere else. And, and I don't know what, what they think about him in Pittsburgh, but they must, must think pretty highly of him. And because and, I'm sure Sullivan's on a short leash in Pittsburgh right now. Right. I think it was just a money situation that, that made them keep him another year. And I'm not saying that he's not a great coach because I think he is, but it, it's always it's kind of a it's, – it's a lot easier to cut a coach and, and get some – else to bring a new voice in the room than than bringing a whole new roster in. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, uh, I agree, and I mean, I wish I could say I wish Rude in luck, but I I hope that he he does fucking terrible for Pittsburgh. You know, to be completely honest. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I had a great start this week, right? Yeah, you must have loved the last trade. Yeah, exactly. It was hilarious, and then everything on social media with with Hornquist throwing his gear out in the in the driveway, which could be just him drying it out or whatever, but not good optics on that. Um, so, yeah. But this is a caps caps podcast, so let's not get too too delved into it because I know that's your that's your old club. But uh, you know, um, <clears throat> back to Laviolette. I mean, 
what what do you think he's going to emphasize with the Capitals? I mean, what did what did he emphasize with you with uh, just the team play, like defense first, uh, running gun offense? I mean, he seems to be kind of a structured guy, right? Yeah, but I think he's I think he's smarter than that. He's pretty flexible. I think the biggest thing for him is going to get everybody on the same page, right. and and again, whatever that that may mean, that, that's what he's going to do because he's. He's really smart. I mean, it makes everybody feel important. Like he did stupid shit. Like now, when I think back on it, he was like, "Hey, you guys are super important to us." Like on the third line, like after every goal, you guys go out and give us the best shift. And we're like, "Well, fuck, that sounds great." You know, we were so fired up, and because he gave us kind of a job, which was you know a bullshit job, but we really believed in it. So it wasn't until like years later we're like, "Well, oh, fuck," he was kind of, but but it really made us all feel important. Like he found something for everyone to feel important about. So, and that was his first year before he, you know, even really got started. Right. So I'm sure he's even better at it. I mean, that's the kind of personality he always is. And I think just, you know, like just a good value guy. Yeah. And, and smart enough. Like he's not going to come in and say, Hey, I, I used to do a one, two, two with Nashville. That's what we're going to do right here. <laughs> Just been, you know, reviewing every video and try to see him figure out what the best systems are and, you know, what they should be doing in the back end and, and how they can improve on that. And, and most of all, like, get the big personalities to feel important and that they're bringing something to the table all the time. Right. Because, uh, you know, that's, that's, it's funny you say that because I think that Evgeny Kuznetsov is a, is a player that needs that, you know, after having a stellar, you know, a really a Conn Smythe worthy. I mean, we knew the Conn Smythe, if the Caps were going to win the Cup, the Conn Smythe was going to Ovi, even if he scored zero points, right? But the, uh, I mean, Kuznetsov was a strong, you know, he is a points leader, uh, did, you know, great, pretty good defensively at the time. And then, you know, he, he could have easily been the Conn Smythe winner. So I think that in the past couple of years, he's, and he's obviously had some off ice drama, but like he's probably a guy that I think Peter Laviolette could come in and really just put a spark back into his career. Cause you know, Caps fans are, are wrongly saying that they, that they, he, they should be trading, exploring trades with Kuznetsov. But I think that's ridiculous. It's dumb as shit. So, I mean, I think that that's what you're saying as far as, far as making everybody feel important. I think that's, that's a player who's going to benefit from that for sure. Yeah, I think, you know, wrongly, they always talk about Lav as, like, as being a like disciplined guy. Right. And, and it's more than that. Like, discipline, that's, everyone automatically thinks that's about, like, screaming at guys and, you know, make, you know, punish them if they don't do this or do that. But it, it's, there's a lot of other ways of doing it. And I think that's, that's probably his real strength to get those guys that maybe have been, building a reputation one way or another and, and kind of, you know, build on those strengths and, and kind of try to minimize the weaknesses. And like, like Kessel, when he was in Toronto, mm-hmm. like they wanted that guy to play like, you know, the prototypical Canadian. Right. And they could never accept that, that that's not who he was. They could never accept that because mm-hmm. he was the captain and he, he's better damn player like a Canadian. He better, you know, answer the bell and fight guys and, you know, 
block <laughs> 10 shots a game and all that. that that's not him. It's not right. what he's going to do. Sure. He's never going to be that guy. I think that's Canadians. That's why all those guys are flunking out of the playoffs because they keep getting that those personalities all the time. And if they don't have that personality, they get rid of them. Right. You got to fit the, uh, the persona, that, that Don Cherry player type. <laughs> and that's not how it's played. Nobody's playing like that. All those, like, look at Tampa Bay right now. I mean, they're tough in their own way, but it's not like they're they're going to fight everyone. Sure. Yeah, I mean, and, I, I mean, to your point, yeah, I've, I've said for, for years, when everybody was saying, you know, it's a speed league and speed is so important. It's like, yes, it's, it's all very important, but I feel that, you know, this is a game that has zero, no out of bounds. You know, you're in the Thunderdome when you walk, when you step on the ice, like speed is, it will get you, get you open and, and opportunities. But in the long game, I feel like being a good checking team. And I don't mean, you know, body checking. I mean, being able to stop the forward progress of the other team or just, you know, put a wrench in every gear that's got, they got turning is more important. So I feel like, you know, it's still a checking league, you know, hockey's a checking game and the NHL is a checking league. I mean, would you, would you agree? Or you think it's more of a speed running gun or, or offensively minded league anymore? No, it's a little bit of both, but I think there, there's a little bit of confusion there with what, what checking is. Cause you got the structured kind, which is like when you set up in a one to two or whatever it may be. Right. And then you got the unstructured four check, which maybe even more important. That's where most of the uh, turnovers are created. Like right. when the guys get a little bit of bite and then they go for it. All of a sudden they have two guys there and a the third guy supporting it. That's probably more important than, than, than just the structure for checking. Interesting. And I've seen some numbers on that too, how powerful it is. Like a good four check, unstructured four check is just as important as a good possession game. So all the guys talk about it, all puck possession and that. Like create just as many shots attempts from from a good forecheck. And and I'm not talking about you know, again about the structure, but that means you just have an intense game and, and guys are willing to do it. Right. Right. Because it's pretty uh it's pretty thankless job to, to be out there forechecking because you know most of the time you never get to the puck. All you do is just try to distract somebody and then hopefully get the puck for for your second guy. Yeah. No absolutely the whole absolutely. purpose of it isn't for you to get the puck. It's for you know, your supporting cast to get the get the puck after you disrupt the defenseman or whoever's got the puck. Gotcha. So, so um, what I mean, what uh, for for the Wheeling Nailers at the time, what did what kind of structure did Lavs put in? Was he more? He understood. I mean, at that point, you had a pretty good team. You know, you guys went. Did you guys go to the Kelly Cup that year? No, we lost in the uh, conference final to Hampton Road, so I ended up winning it. Gotcha. I mean, did uh, what? What right. did Lavs do when he came in? What What was his first thing? I mean, what was your? Can you remember one of the first things he did, or like your first interaction with him? No, we, it was pretty. It was pretty basic. We had a a one two two with with uh, with an overload, so uh, trying to trap him, you know, before the red line, and you know. That that whole before they could dump in the puck, so it was nothing really original. And I played the same system in college where it was really really structured. 
he gave us a little bit more leeway and, and allowed for more of a, an unstructured four check as well, gotcha. especially the, uh, the F1 uh, first forward. Right. Right. <clears throat> and, that's and again, good. like he's going to look at the lineup and see, Hey, this is what we need to do. <laughs> I don't think he's going to go in and say, Hey, I always do this. So now my team is going to play like that. Right. Uh, it's, and I'm sure like they individualize so much anymore too per, per line and they change every, like nobody's got a line anymore. It's mostly two guys. If you're lucky mm-hmm. to get used to. So that whenever, whenever always out there, I'm sure the guys have to see if he's out there and adjust to him. Yeah. Or whoever it may be. I mean, it's it, it just big personalities drive the game anyway. Right. And I mean, you're never hearing have- about, you know, like I, I, if you were to ask me right now who the last, like for the past 10 years, um, on when Ove- Ovechkin is paired with Brat Backstrom, who the other winger is, I'd have to give you like a bunch of guesses just to get it. I mean, Polly, what about right. you? Can you even name them? <clears throat> Tom Wilson. Yeah. Willie, mm-hmm. Willie lately. And then what, like, uh, Osh, Osh babe. TJ Oshie every once in a while. Yeah, I mean they constantly cycle guys through to find out what works for Ovechkin. Right, exactly, exactly, and you know, stuff to your point, it's it's really you get you get a pair, right, and and uh, hopefully those guys have chemistry. But at the same in the same breath, the the talent level is so high that these guys can adapt quickly, and if they can, it's yeah. apparent. No, and and right now the Caps are right at the cusp too, where. It's going to be a, a, a sort of a sensitive issue pretty soon that probably they have to cut down on backstroms and always ice time at least a little bit. Oh, yeah. Uh, they're not getting any younger. And, and uh, no matter how good of a shape they're in, they probably need to, uh, I don't know, save them a little bit at least earlier in the season and then try to build it up. It's real tough to go through that whole season, especially if it's going to be a pretty quick one. They're going to go through a lot of games in a, in a pretty – short amount of time next year. Right. Or yeah. <laughs> this year, whenever it is, they start December <laughs> or January, whatever it is. Yeah. They're, they're saying late December, but could be early January. It's always, a, it's up in the air for sure. Um, but uh, I guess moving on, do, do you have any like good personal stories? Like any funny, any funny things that you'd be willing to share uh, that won't incriminate you too much about labs? No. And, and even if there was, I'd be kind of careful about it right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. But no, it was not, it was nothing crazy about it. But but you know what? He didn't mind going out and having a having a couple of beers with you, and, and uh, but then let you know that he was in charge the next day. But it, and he would just be a you know he's kind of a guy's guy, loves having fun with the boys all sure. the time. And he did he did some fun stuff in the locker rooms to make everybody feel comfortable. I mean, there were times when you know we'd we'd have a meeting and he'd be like, "All right, everybody, stand up." And, you make a dance in front of everybody <laughs> just to get you like, to be uh, comfortable doing whatever in front of the boys. Right. And, and he'd be like calling in the, you know, to his coach's room. And he's like, Hey, this practice is uh, make sure you're hooting and hollering a lot. Get the boys going. Right. <laughs> All right. Oh, one funny thing <laughs> I could say it was, I got into uh, to a fight with, the fastest guy on the team and I dropped the gloves and he did. And I, and I started chasing him 
And all of a sudden I chased him like a lap around and I couldn't catch him. So, so all the guys started, you know, making fun of me and, and I thought I was like, oh, fuck it. So I forgot about him. You know, all of a sudden he turned up and he's like, uh, are we good now? And I said, well, I, I couldn't fucking catch you. And now I'm too tired. So, so after practice, Labby called me into his office and he goes, why the fuck didn't you beat the shit out of him? I said, well, I said, did you see me fucking try to catch him? I couldn't get to him. It's like, well, you need to just beat him up one day. Fucking smart him up. <laughs> like, wow, fuck, it wasn't today. <laughs> so, but, you know, he's just, uh, he's just a good guy. Or I can remember, but, you know, it's been 20-some years, so. Right, but he well, still seems like I mean, interviews and stuff. Seems like pretty much the same guy. Yeah, and, and he, in his presser, I don't know if you saw it with the Caps, but he uh, had like a uh, Zoom call with uh, NHL.com and, and the, uh, McClellan introduced him. And then he spoke for about five minutes and, and had, he spoke highly. I mean, he, he name dropped the Wheeling Nailers at least two or, two or three times about, you know, when we, when him and his wife or when him and his family were given the opportunity to go to Wheeling, uh, he's been all in and, and, you know, he's dedicated and, and all that, but, but he, you know, he definitely remembers where he ca- he came from in that, in that sense. Whereas the Naylor's given him his first shot, you know? Yeah, no. And, and, and believe me, like any open job like that, even in the minors, you're going to have a lot of applicants. And he went from being just a player the year before to then getting a head coaching job here. So, so that's a pretty big shot to give anyone, but, and, and, uh, on hindsight, it looks like it was an easy decision to make, but I'm sure they were pressured by, you know, uh, they didn't really have like a penguins behind them at that point in time. So, right. but still it was a new ownership group. So it still was taking a chance on an unproved guy. So I'm sure he, he should be appreciative of it. Yeah, absolutely. And and so it's funny because on one of, when the Flyers, I, I want to say when the Flyers had their last winter classic, they do that, mm-hmm. like, you know, road to the winter classic show and Lavs is, is in warmups with one of the guys and I forget who it was. And he was like, I heard, um, I heard that was that your first goal. It was a rookie, I think first goal in the league. And he goes, um, he goes, yeah. And then he was like, you already got more than me. Cause Lavs only got a few games, uh, at the NHL level from what I remember. And, um, and, it, and it's funny that you say like, that was his next, his, like, he was still kind of like a, a player at that point, the next year he became a head coach, right? Was he, um, I mean, he wasn't a shit bum on the ice, was he? I mean, he could still kind of. No, 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 no. He got fucked completely. He should have been an NHL guy for sure. Yeah. So, so he'd been through all that. I mean, that's probably why he's got such an easy time relating to all the, you know, muckers and grinders and and those guys and, and make them, I think he's, it seems like he's always taking pride in, in, in that, in having his third and fourth liners and, seventh defenseman feel important because right. that was, that was basically him. And, and he was definitely uh, good enough to, to play in the NHL. It was just a matter of getting the right shot with the right team. So, so the skill was there and size was there and he was, you know, so he had all the tools. He just never got that right shot. Gotcha. And when he did, you know, God knows what kind of situation he was in. I don't know, but right. Right, right. But he definitely had the skills for it and the and the attitude and all that. Awesome. 
Well, I'll be honest. Polly and I have been petitioning hard for the Laviolette hiring. As a matter of fact, mid-season, I didn't. I just didn't like the what Reardon was doing. Whether he was putting, you know, I, and you know, you never know because there were times where I would see the Caps just make boneheaded defensive plays. You know, two defensemen back on on a on a one on two or something, and both guys just step straight to the guy. Uh, at the blue line and then get dangled or or just miss the trailer, uh, just blown coverage and it, it was frustrating because Reardon was obvious was touted as this defensive genius or this guy who was really technically knowledgeable and I'm like why it why is he at one point it felt like he was directing them to do that when and and because it happened so often so. In any case, it was his responsibility, I had felt, Reardon's, to correct it if it wasn't him telling him what to do, um, or his just ideology was bad. So, I mean, I'm, I'm really hoping that, that Laviolette kind of comes in and shores up things defensively, uh, especially. And then, because, I mean, the offense is there, right? The offense in this team is still alive, but I, I, I think everything across the ice, we could use a boost. I mean, what do, what do you think he's going to add to the team on the ice? Well, in, in the first place, I think anyone who becomes a head coach in the NHL, they have all the they have all the X's and O's. Right. And there's no doubt we're new all that and has all that. But it's a different story of getting all the guys to to buy into what you're doing and and have it's kind of difficult like to motivate an, an older club like that. Right. And. Right. You know, you got to find different ways all the time, I, I think. And uh, in the end, it comes down. It's got to be some sort of internal motivation that drives those guys. And, and you have to kind of hit that somehow. And, you know, and, and it could be that easy that, okay, so he could have been best buddies and get everything out of 18 guys. Well, let's say it wasn't Beckstrom and Obi. Then you're screwed, sure. right? Yeah. Right. Yeah, uh, you, like my my dad would always say that uh, on a team of twenty guys, you got five guys that love you no matter what, five guys that hate you no matter what, and ten that haven't made up their mind. So you got to reach the ten in the middle somehow, because the five guys that love you don't have to worry about those, and and the five that hate you, you can't change their mind. Right. You got to find some way of like a middle ground, but they're still going to hate you no matter what you do. You give them you, like some coaches want to want to play to those guys and be like, Hey, if I just give these guys more ice time or I give them more responsibility, you know, it's going to make them like me more. You can't worry about them. They're, they're going to hate you regardless. As a coach, <laughs> you can't change the mind. Right. It's just something there in the personality or whatever it may be, but you, you are not going to make them happy. So don't try to make them happy. That won't work. So, a coach like the, at least the way he was when when he coached us, he was confident enough and not, not worry about that stuff. Some right. guys are you'd be shocked how many coaches are worried about being liked. Huh. So, so you have the few that then you have the few that maybe care a little bit too uh, too little about being liked. Because you you got to be uh, somewhat personal too, and and at least make the guys want to play for you. Right. You can't, you can't just be a dick all the time. Nobody's <laughs> going to play for you. Fair. So finding that middle ground. And it seems like at least from his history with all the cups he's got and, and the success he's had that he's been able to do that. 
Yeah, and, and the the thing that gets me about him is that you know, like he will be the only second, only the second coach with previous experience under his belt, other than Barry Trotz. And with Barry Trotz, obviously, we won the cup. Um, mm-hmm. And I thought that that's and it seems like really you're and you're alluding to that it's more about the personal connection with the team and making them of buy. Of course, in. it is. Yeah, yeah. Every team has the smartest X's and O's guys. That, and they watch enough video and, and it's it's more a matter of, of personal connections with the right with the right personnel. Right. And sometimes it's weird because it may be the unexpected guy on the fourth line who may be like the re- true team leader too. Sure. That sure. most people don't have a clue is, is really leading the team anywhere they go. Absolutely. So it's going to be connecting with the right people. Well, yeah. I mean, when you put it that way, I'm I'm even feeling even better about Lavs because, like I said, I think Barry Trotz really could connect with the guys. Really knew, you know, what buttons to push at what time, how to how to change line. You know, he could really. I felt like he always had a good finger on the pulse of the team's mojo. I guess right. So like, two guys are feeling it. One guy on this line's not. We'll move this other guy in who can who I know can can play with these two. And boom, it was almost, it was just instant. It seemed like instant chemistry there. So hopefully Lavs can bring that. Yeah, it seems like, well, when I had him, that's what he was good at. He could kind of fit his style to the personality. And that's, that's all it is, especially at that level. Right. And you got some huge personalities there. And, and like, I don't care who you are. If you're a hockey guy, like, are you really going to, you know, compete with Backstrom's hockey IQ. That's that's pretty tough. Right. Exactly. You kind of have to concede yeah. to it that you know what you're probably more know a little bit more about hockey than I do. Like you may think you're smart because you came up with this. I don't know. What, I don't know whatever concept may be, and Backstrom will tell you, "Well, fuck, I've always done that. <laughs> Nobody had to tell me. <laughs> I didn't have to learn that. I just knew it." Right. So it just they're at such different levels. When you're the best of, of, of the best, it just it's. You can't try to be outsmarting the guys. You just got to figure out what the personalities are. And it seems like he's done a hell of a job with that and all the teams he's been on. Absolutely. No doubt. No doubt. Um, well, let's, let's, let's get your take. Have you been watching? Have you been watching the, the Stanley Cup final? Yeah. And, and uh, one f- other funny story, too, and I, I think I may have started talking about it uh, last time I was on the show was uh, when I was between college and and the pros, um, I knew I had to you know learn how to fight at some point, at least to protect myself. And, and at the same time, the, the Providence Bruins had a tough guy, and I knew him quite well. And we'd go out in the summertime, and he had a rink right by his house, and we'd go out and roll blades, and we'd play around. And I know the first time he hit me around the forehead pretty hard, <laughs> smartened me up. But, but anyway, it was Bill Armstrong who ended up just getting a job last week as the Coyotes GM. Right. So he was on that. He was on that same team as Lavi was on too in Providence. Oh wow! I didn't know that. Yeah, no, he was he was a tough guy for the P Bruins for a while. I'm not sure he ever played up too, but he was one of those guys too that probably got screwed. He was definitely tough enough to play wherever. Wow. I'd like yeah. to be at that team's reunion. 
Yeah, yeah no, no. Well, down up, they, they won the, uh, was it Calder Cup in the American League? Mm-hmm. Nice. No, that's that's oh, awesome. That was with Bilabi, I think, in 90, uh, 98, 98, yeah. 99. Crazy, man. It's a small world, huh? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, well, no, and Army was just a great guy, too. So, well-deserved. He's been in hockey the entire time, too. Right, right. So, um, I mean, what? who do you got winning the Cup? I mean, I think Dallas Dallas has shown some life, and I'm surprised. Yeah, I had Tampa in five, but obviously got wrong on that one. But And I fell asleep in the second overtime last night. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, off and on in the first overtime. It was getting late, so... Yeah, I don't know. I still like Tampa Bay. I, I think they're they got so much speed and, and their and skill. Absolutely, they, they're going to be tough to beat. I I mean I think they've since for the past two years have been the most like pound for pound talented team. Um, you know injuries and and whatnot have have screwed them over a lot, but uh, and just you know the quote unquote choking in the playoffs or whatever. But you know for an for an up and well, for a team that has underperformed in Dallas, I feel like right now they're just playing at their their roster's maximum strength, even a little beyond it. So uh, I'll, I'll be honest. I when I heard, saw this matchup, I was like, oh man, I don't I don't know what to think about this. And then, but they've been playing some really good hockey. I mean, I've I've been really enjoying the games. They've been close, high scoring. I mean, not that I need high scoring, but. Uh, you know, just a really, really good matchup. And, you know, I had, I have Tampa in seven, I think. And what'd you have, Polly? Dallas in seven, I think. Yeah. yeah. He, Polly, Polly flip flopped first game and yeah. said Dallas in seven. He, he was on the Tampa train. That's bullshit. You can't do that. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It, I've, I've lost all credibility, but that's against all rules. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. But, but you know what, though? Like, I can say that it seemed like they have sort of a like a, a likable lineup. Like with Jamie Benn, is seems to be a pretty good guy who's been hung out to drive for a long time. And then he's just been a complete beast in these playoffs. And, right. and Tyler right. Seguin, who got kind of, you know, hauled out of, out of uh, Boston because he just didn't – that's not a guy. He just didn't fit into the Boston mold. Like, right. he just didn't. Right. And, and uh, I think that – you know, he probably likes having a beer or two too, but he uh, he always plays well, so it's hard to argue with it. Sure. And um, you know, that was one of the first thing that that Labby told us too. He said he didn't care whatever we did; it was you know, freedom, responsibility. But as long as you perform, he didn't give a shit what we did. But if we didn't perform and we were going out till four in the morning, that would be a little bit harder to what to defend getting rid of you. Absolutely. No, absolutely. And that's, I feel, I feel like that's fair. That's how every adult should be treated in their job anyways. Right. Yeah. But God knows, I'm sure that's changed too over the years. Cause you can't allow anyone to have any, have any fun and being a pro player. Right. 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 Exactly. We've seen, we've seen how that's backfired on a lot of guys, but, uh, but yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I mean, I think uh, I'm, I'm excited for the rest of this playoffs. You know, obviously, I would have loved to see the Caps in this position right now. But, uh, you know, I, I still think that this is Tampa's time. Uh, and, God, it's got to be at this point. I mean, uh, what did you think about not this last game, but the game before that went into overtime with those two blown calls? One, well, both ways, right? So 
uh, Braden Point for embellishing after getting the the stick to the groin from behind by scumbag Corey Perry, and then uh, <laughs> and then that ridiculous on Jamie Ben, who Polly Polly, you love Jamie Ben, don't you? Well, I'm also an Avalanche fan, and uh, so I kind of just don't like him because of being a divisional foe. If if he was on my team, I'd probably like him, but uh, I don't like the way he reacts to some stuff. He is kind of a psycho, um, but you know those two blown calls, and then uh, you know they go into the power play in overtime. I don't know. I I never yeah. get into that. I don't know. You know the blown calls. I always take that with a grain of salt. Nobody's out to get anybody, and it typically evens out after a while. Like if you get too worked up about it, I don't know. The only thing you get out of that is is a headache. Right. And yeah. it just, you know what, they, you would have plenty of time to make up for at some point. No, I, I think with anything that gets blown over a series, you always have another opportunity to make up for it, or, or you should have make up, made up for it before if you were the better team. Fair. Mm-hmm. I have a tough time understanding how it could blow a whole series. You know, I get the momentum part sometimes, but, but it's still normally the better team in that two week span will win. No doubt. No doubt. Absolutely. And you know, that's, that's the even keeled like hockey mind for sure. Like somebody who's played and, and they get that. But uh, I think that the casual fan or even the diehard fans who never really played the game, especially they uh, they're really <laughs> triggered by these uh, blown calls and, and, you know, it's bad optics. It does look bad, you know, when you blow a call and then it, it decides a game, but again, you know, the officials are, Jesus, probably gassed trying to keep up with these guys, wouldn't you say? Yeah, no, and they make mistakes all the time. I Absolutely. mean, it's easy for us sitting in the living room and, and not making any mistakes. And, you know, half the time, I don't even see it till the replay. Right. And there's, and there's some stupid rules. Like, they got to get rid of that uh, offsides rule. Like, seriously, you, so you commit a, you know, a fraction of an inch of an offsides, and then you play a minute inside the zone – and they'll come back on that play that happened a minute ago and say it was offsides coming into the zone. Right. That's just – but if, if they limit it to like if you score within three seconds after it happens, I'm fine with it. But you, you can't allow them to play for like a minute afterwards and then go back and say, oh, they, you know, that whole minute of play should never have happened. Right. That is, that's got to be the dumbest rule in, in the NHL right now. That's the one thing that drives me nuts. But the rest of it, like the guys get they get upset because it's a physical game and it's a it's a hardcore game and, and and emotional. So they they see so when you're sitting in the living room, you see those guys getting all pissed off about it. Yeah, but that's about the extent of it. They're pissed off for that those four seconds, and then they're focusing on the next play. Sure. Meanwhile, you're sitting in the living room and you open up another beer and you're still pissed off about it afterwards. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> oh shit. Well, Steph, man, I really appreciate you coming on. Um, Paula, you have anything else for Steph here? Well, I did, actually one unrelated to the majority of the interview. Back playing for the Nailers in the '90s, where was uh, where did the boys like to go drink? What was your guys' favorite bar? In Wheeling or somewhere else? In Wheeling. In we- oh, it's definitely the Office Lounge. Okay. The Office Lounge. That was that was our place. Is that with uh, the old McClure House? Across from McClure House. Yeah. You know, the the, Mo- the Moose Lodge is there right now. Okay. Skip nice. was running in. There was the there was a place to go. They were always open and it was always crowded. 
Nice, nice. Awesome. <laughs> well, there's some wheeling and, heritage history for you guys. Yeah. Uh, I know and, that's what the viewers want <laughs> or the, the listeners want. Well, I should build on that because that was my first year. Then my second year, uh, yeah, I guess that was pretty much the same. But then I took a year off and I came back from my third year. And by then they had moved on to like new place or other places. And there was more like TJs and generations and, or swing club. Right. And so, so most of the guys from the team, they would get calls all the time. Like, or the coach would get calls. Hey, we saw the boys out till three in the morning. So meanwhile, I was at the, at the 19th hole and nobody, nobody <laughs> there would ever call anybody. Right. Saw somebody. So I'll be there by myself with my buddies from wheeling. And, uh, Nobody would ever know about it. Absolutely. Fuck. We need and to I would drink sponsors. twice as much as the other guys. Yeah. <laughs> we got to, we got to <laughs> get some sponsorships out of this stuff. So, uh, that'll, that'll be great shining recommendations for those three, those three still open establishments. <laughs> Correct. Right. They're all good places. Yeah. <laughs> all right, man. Hey, thanks a lot for coming on. Um, really appreciate your insight here, man. I learned, I learned something new every time I talk to you, especially, you know, when we, when we talk over the podcast. So, uh, hopefully, hopefully your family's doing good and, and hope you're doing good. Um, stay safe. And, you know, again, thanks a lot, man. All right. Thanks for having me on. All right. Take, take care. care See ya. Caps fans were back. So hope you enjoyed that interview with Stefan Brunner, uh, wheeling nailers legend. Awesome dude. Love to have him on. We got to get him in the studio, Polly. Absolutely. Maybe, uh, if we give him a few beers, he'll, he'll open up to some, some more, uh, lewd stories about his playing days. <laughs> oh, I'd love to hear that. But man, I mean, it was great to hear from him. I think that, <clears throat> you know, the interview kind of, opened my eyes a little bit to like, it's not going to be about defensive structure or some crazy system that Laviolette's going to bring in. What he's really going to bring in is just like being able to get the most out of all the boys. Yeah. How he relates to people connects to him on a human level. Right. And, and really just like the respect he garners from them. Yeah. And, and the ability to get everybody to buy in. And that's what I, and after Steph said that I, I think like I was like fuck you know he's right because think about the coaches that we couldn't get there with like Bruce Boudreau was a first you know first year coach first co- head coaching job in in the uh, NHL at least and he just you know he let the guys do what they wanted a little too much right and then maybe wasn't so authoritative but should have been um, especially with his system. But then you look at like the other two coaches, like Dale Hunter, who just didn't fucking care. He didn't even want it the second year, right? He was like an interim coach. Adam Oates, who again, I just don't think he had the he couldn't relate to the guys or had not had enough experience to relate to everybody, you know. Barry Trotz comes in, does a great job of doing exactly that, right? I mean, holding guys accountable, getting everybody to be pulling on the rope, as as he would say, 
always, right? I mean, every time you you get in a press conference with Barry Trotz, he talked about everybody needs to be getting in and, and playing for each other, right? And then we have Reardon, who I think that just – I don't know if the guys didn't respect him as much after being an assistant coach or what, but it just wasn't working, you know? Yeah. So hopefully Labs can bring that that um, accountability in, in the sense of – like Steph said, making everybody feel fucking special, you know, making everybody feel important. Right. Um, and I will, I, I, I think I said something about Ovechkin's last contract that I should correct. Um, in his last contract, he only was the leading scorer for eight out of the 13 years, not nine. Huh. So correction there. Noted. Still worth 12 million. <laughs> Still worth twelve million. Um, but Caps fans, hope you enjoyed this episode and this interview. Until next week, Taki Troll of Poly Cupcakes signing off. Hey, Caps fans! Thanks for tuning in to the official Caps Chirp podcast, repping the greatest team in the NHL. Follow me, the Hockey Troll, at Hockey Trollin on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And follow me, Polly Cupcakes, on Twitter at CupcakePolly. And follow the show's handle at CapsChirp on Twitter and Instagram. Special thanks to the Hockey Podcast Network at HockeyPodNet on Twitter and TheHockeyPodcastNetwork.com. The Hockey Podcast Network. Every team, everywhere. Check them out, or we're not friends anymore. <laughs>